There, that looks more like it. Yes, it's good to be here with you, Dolly. <laughs> yes, it's recording. <laughs> yes, it's recording okay, finally. Cool. Dolly and I have just had the loveliest conversation and somehow the record button wasn't on. <laughs> so this is Dolly Fernell from, from Cape Town, South Africa. And uh, I do have a transcript of what she said. I just don't have a recording of what she said, but it was a lovely conversation. So we're going to start in again. And uh, Dolly, you said you had an idea that you wanted to approach. Yeah. Um, okay, so uh, I wrote down a couple of art quotes. And um, I thought, I only wrote down a few, uh, but I collected a lot more. I kind of became OCD because it's so interesting what different people uh, think that art is or painting is or creativity and uh, they'll like a, and they'll make a quote about it and obviously it's from a certain perspective or from an experience or you know and uh, I find that interesting but um, so I'll just I'll maybe read a couple of these and you can stop me or interject at, at any point and then I found two quotes that it resonated something else with me. And if we get to that, then we do. Okay, so... Okay, so um, do you have these on paper or are they digital? Yeah. Oh, they're, they're on, on paper. Okay. okay. <laughs> I can send you the digital. Well, I was just going to say, if you had them on digital, we could put them on screen now. But just go ahead and read them. Oh, okay. Um, okay, so uh, this is one by Picasso. Uh Art washes away from the soul the dust of everyday life. Then somebody else said, painting is silent poetry. Someone named James Joyce uh, said something profound about mistakes, and uh, mistakes are the portals of discovery. Which oh, I, find I really love cool. that. Yeah, yeah, I love that. I love that. It, it takes a mistake and makes it like, oh, I'm in, I'm intrigued by if there's a mistake, I want to go into it now, not like be disgusted by a mistake, which um, can sometimes be the case for me because um, it's and, and it's crazy. The mistake is often like a minor detail, and uh, if you step back and look at the you know overall picture, you, you kind of are like where's the mistake i don't see the mistake or you can become fixated on that um uh -huh. but with this quote you you can almost like zoom in and like go through the portal and like find the beauty in that mistake and maybe it can you can draw it out and project it and integrate it into the piece that you're busy making um and then yeah i just that's could you, you, you restate it again? He says, a mistake is a portal. Mistakes are the portals of discovery. Um, you know, there's a, lot of different, there's a lot of different ways that that idea has been. I, I like this one the best, but there are a lot of other ways. People say um, failure is the springboard to success, you know, things like that, that are much more mm -hmm. like business type oriented. But this the uh, the way i like to think about the world is that everything scales so this is something about art but it also scales over here into our psychology of our our personal mm -hmm. behavior and so forth and um there are 
I was having a talk recently with a, with a therapist about how sometimes a memory, an, an unconscious memory is driving an action. So um, the unconscious memory might be connected to some sort of fear or um, anxiety, and then that drives an action. And then you're, you don't know why that action is happening. But if you can catch yourself, oh, this, this action, this mistake is happening, um, a lot of different things can happen. You can get down on yourself and say, oh, you're so stupid, you're a failure. Or you can go to some sort of um, coping mechanism, a bad coping, mm -hmm. you know, coping mechanisms like food or alcohol or drugs or whatever, um, or shopping. Some people do shopping. So there's a lot of choices to happen when that mistake happens. But, but I've been thinking a lot lately about quantum physics and how it kind of ties into this idea that when, when that happens, it's a, it's a mechanism to get you to stop and listen mm. to, to hear, you know, we talked, I don't know if you heard the episode we did the other day about hearing and obedience and how those are really the same word. So when I found that really interesting, yeah, when the mistake happens, then that's an opportunity to say, wait a minute, I'm going to hear, I'm going to try to process this in a new way and see that God is, is trying to bring some learning into my life. The reason it ties into quantum physics is that there is uh, this picture, Chris Fields has been doing this series on um, quantum physics. It's just wonderful. And in <clears throat> You don't have to know the background of this at all, but he has this circle that has thermodynamics as one third of the circle and learning as one third and memory as one third. And he said the way that learning and memory work with each other in these thermodynamic situations is that when, when the memory becomes too large, that squeezes out the opportunity for learning so you want the learning to take up the most space so that the memory is not, not the driver. And to me, that just said, wow, okay, that's exactly what's happening. When, when, there's, when this mistake happens or when this memory comes up that's driving a, an action that's detrimental, that's an opportunity for learning to push back so that the memory becomes less important and the learning becomes more important because all that learning is coming from God. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And like with this, you know, in terms of discovery, like to learn is also, or if I think of God, um, he often teaches by revealing something to us or he reveals something to us and then he teaches on it or then he guides you as to the, the way to navigate it. Um, and I think through that, you know, many journey, you can discover the things that you are meant to in order to understand um, perhaps what you were doing wrong or what you could do wiser or how you could align a little bit better so that you don't have to end up into um, 
you know, a, a bad coping mechanism or a bunch of feelings that you're kind of adding on to and hammering yourself on the head for. And God doesn't want you to be in pain. He wants to show you. He wants to lead you. He wants to guide you. He wants to um, fill you in. <laughs> and um, yeah, in one way, yeah. I think he wants to rewrite that memory. You know, if we think wow, about it. That stuff. is... Yeah, I think he wants to rewrite that memory because it's oh, the memory that's bringing us the pain, right? Um, yeah. And and maybe we can learn. Well, I mean, we know that one of the things we can learn is that he was right there with us whenever that memory was implanted. And, um, and he's right there with us now. And, mm-hmm. and we're still here. We made it through, right? <laughs> Yeah. Wow, Karen, you're amazing. That's well. No, I. This is something I just got from this therapist the other day. So, (laughs) I mean, the the thing about connecting it to quantum physics is is something that that I got from Chris Fields. But um, but this idea of um how these old memories can have an a continuing impact on your life, um. Yeah, I mean, there's this kind of therapy called RRT, which is rapid resolution therapy. Have you ever heard of it? No. Um, <laughs> it it's rather than talk therapy, which can take hours and hours and hours and hours and hours and weeks and months and years. Um, <laughs> rapid resolution therapy. They hope to help you in one session. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so what they. It's not intense at all. It's very relaxing. Um, they they kind of help you come to a place where you recognize where this um, original memory was, or at least one of the original memories that's um, that's driving the fear or anxiety or whatever it is that that you found a way to cope with that memory at the time. And then that has become the way that you cope with that memory every time it comes up. But that memory is not by itself. It's connected to any other uncomfortable situation that might come up in your life somehow gets married to that old memory. And so whenever you're uncomfortable, oh, let's go to that coping mechanism. And so if you can go back and rewrite that memory, then hopefully over time, any new kind of discomfort that comes along, you can just remember, oh, I made it through that. So this is not whatever this is right now. I'm going to make it through this too. So I don't need to go and injure myself with something that's Mm. bad for me because yeah. I am loved and I am whole and I made it to this point and he's with me and we're going to keep going forward. And, you know, it's that kind of a thing. And it, it, it's, um, yeah. yeah, it was very helpful. Yeah. I, yeah. God is definitely in this situation because you're giving me um, sort of beautiful images and insights and like, I don't know, just, I'm going to go and like translate and meditate um, on a couple of things a little bit later and um, link it to scripture and, and things like that. Um, anyway, um, <laughs> um, there was, I think I'll skip a couple of these. 
in my opinion, art is communication. Um, or at least that is something that's very um, that I feel very strongly about mm-hmm. um, now in my life because uh, you know in in for me I think it's um, my strongest form of communication especially if if put into a dialogue and then sort of deciphered <laughs> and then I can also discover what was I trying to say that I could not find words for and then I'm like oh yes that's exactly what it is 100% Um, but I didn't know before but I knew (laughs) Um, there was sure I wrote down a lot here Um, oh so I read the book Art and Fear Mm -hmm. by David Bales which and I read parts of it um, aloud as well um, that actually it helped and like reading it aloud um kind of made me pause because it's like you're reading it and I'm on the screen but I'm also looking through the camera that's on me I'm trying to look through that but I'm also trying to take into consideration that I'm speaking to other people but I'm also trying to be mindful of what I'm reading and try and like understand and not be too like robotic about it and there were a couple of things that I was like wait what um but anyway so um i pulled some quotes um there's one that uh there's two that i wrote down but okay there's one that it goes the seed of your next artwork lies embedded in the imperfections of your current piece such imperfections are your guides valuable objective non-judgmental guides to matters you need to reconsider or develop further uh yeah i mean that that was one of the quotes that's that stuck out to me so strongly the first time i read this book i read this i took this class eight times on uh, creativity basically and the we were introduced to that book the very first time. So I ended up having to read the book eight times because that was part of the class. And oh. when I hit that quote the very first time, um, it, it, well, it, it grew in meaning to me every time I read it. And I think that the time when it really came home to me, I think I resent, resisted. Um, there's a certain amount of work involved in, in uh, following through on that quote. Yeah. And I resisted that for a long time. So it was probably three, four years after I read it for the first time, which I actually did what it said, which basically what it's saying is take all of your work and look at it (laughs) and try to figure out what are the imperfections in this work. I always knew there were a lot of imperfections in my work, but I didn't want to look at them because it's too hard to think about the things that you're not, doing that you could be doing so I I took out all my work at one point and I laid it all around the floor in the living room and I'm looking at it and I and I had to think what what do I notice about all these pieces and and what I noticed about all this early work was that there was no there's no buttress from the bottom of the piece Okay. that um, 
you know, if I had a figure, the figure is just rising up out of the bottom of yeah. the piece, but that the bottom might just be, you know, the whatever was in the foreground and then the figure rising up out of the foreground, but there was no, something about the composition did not bring, it didn't, I had to learn that the composition has to take, take into consideration the entire substructure. So there has to be a movement that goes through the painting and there has to be a, a way to, if, if your eye goes out of the frame, there has to be a way to get back in. And it felt like everything was falling out the bottom of my pictures. So well, a viewer could be looking them. at, viewer could be looking at the picture and then they would, if they looked down, then they'd be out of the frame and they'd go, go on someplace else. And so I, I, I decided I'm going to learn how to do composition well so that people don't get lost out the bottom. Mm -hmm. I know it sounds like a silly thing, but but no, it really it changed the way that I did composition entirely. I mean, I don't know if you see this picture behind me of the three women. Yeah, I see that. Um, you, see, you see all the movement that's taking place at the bottom? That's in there so that it keeps bringing you back up into where the yeah. focal point is. Uh, yeah, to be honest, uh, your head is very close to it. So oh, sorry. I'm, like looking... No, no, no. Um, I'm sometimes looking at that whilst I'm looking at you, and <laughs> um, been attracting my attention. Um, but with with the notion, with, when you said um, of oh, the seed of your next artwork lies embedded in the imperfections of your current piece, it reminds me like, oh, maybe it's just because I'm fascinated by the uh, mustard seed parable and the parable of the sower and um i just yeah but anyway so it reminded me of um matthew 17 verse 20 if you if it's as small as a mustard seed nothing will be impossible for you or like if your faith is as small as a mustard seed you can say to that mountain move and it will move and you know nothing and i find that to be um very profound and I'm still coming back to it and returning to it with other little pieces to try and gain more understanding it's fascinating to me and I will just talk and talk and talk about it so I'm nipping it in the bud but another thing about the seed is the notion of that it is like the kingdom of God and uh, that you can look at in Luke 13, verse 19, and you can carry on from that, or Mark 4, verse 32. And what's interesting that it's said about there is that when it is planted, it grew and became a tree and the birds perched in its branches. Then I think the tree of life, and then I think of all connectedness, and I think of the birds and uh, if if it's birds, and let's say it's all the birds of, like, since Noah's Ark, like, that can fit into this, um, into the branches of the mustard tree that is grown from from one seed. Uh, it's, it's, I mean, that is like, if you think of one little seed, it can g grow into a stem, 
like basically when when that can yield um a couple of pods that can easily yield like a hundred mustard seeds now think of a bush that came from one seed and that yields like thousands of seeds and that's just a bush that's half my body um in height and i've experienced this and uh so essentially that's like two different seeds that were planted and gave back more than 30 60 or 100 fold it gave back revelation it gave back more understanding it gave back enough so that i could give to others to also plant those seeds and um, meditate on that scripture and and see with their hands and uh, be guided by God and nature and understand the dynamics of light and and growth and um, and they can grow in grace with the experience of you know planting a little seed and mustard seeds they pop up quite quickly and easily um, so it will be a success you know I believe it when I when I give a little seed kit to somebody else um, I I hope to hear a testimony. <laughs> Um, anyway, just, yeah, and, um, lately, uh, through like different themes and things like that, um, and I guess I'm at a point where I'm like, I really want to know more keys to the kingdom and, and what, you know, how it works and the principles, almost like art, what are the principles, um, you know, and what is the composition going to look like? you know what elements are they like um and i'm so curious about that and then i think well you know we are also part of uh, creation and we create i think that we're supposed to do that um and god is our creator and we've got which which part of the brain i can't remember in um I don't know which part of the brain is is the one that needs to be activated via creativity to to help things sort of grow and develop but um it's an essential part of life and uh yeah it's like i mean it is all creation and like i feel like i'm i'm going deep into the back parts of my mind so um i just those are little tidbits and um well, I love that about this this the mustard seed. Um, when you were talking about that, I was thinking, wow, yeah, every mustard plant that's ever grown on earth was in that initial seed. Right? It's yeah, it's uh it's something that it's like quite once you once you understand it, and I like the practical approach when you grow and like you know trial and error but get yourself some mustard seeds and uh, i i think that you do garden um now have a mustard seed experience <laughs> um <laughs> just treat yourself <laughs> well um, it, it grows wild around around california so in the spring the fields are covered with mustard seed beautiful you can harvest it but and and then plant it because it's one it's a different thing to have it in your in your hand and to intentionally plant it gently into the soil cover it a bit um have it in light water it a bit and um let love grow basically because it will pop up and show and you nurture it and 
and I've got a different concept of, um, you know, what is that nature, nurture? I literally have always understood it as you go into nature, you nurture it, and the nature nurtures you um, in return. Because that's the amazing thing about nature. It just loves you without you having done anything. You didn't do anything and it just loves you. Um, it doesn't seek to harm you. It it's just there and it's beautiful as as well. And when you're, you know, immersing yourself in nature, you can almost become sort of the more real version of yourself. And uh, there's definitely a connectedness. And um, for me, if I'm feeling, you know, because sometimes you can feel a little bit distant um, from God um, and yeah, it's like sometimes if you feel distant from God, go to the garden. Um, but uh, yeah, all nature and I'll just sort of be in like, wow. And uh, I don't want to say all, oh, I like to say wow. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I'll feel the earth beneath my feet and uh, I'll like put my hand onto a branch of a tree and I think like look at this stability I this is older than I am and there's a park nearby but it's it's more than just a park it's a valley it's a hill it's it's got a river running through it actually you just can't see it it's um you can see the mountaintops and a bit of a forest on the other side it's got different slopes if I could call it um that um and uh it's just an amazing place to explore and it is constantly changing constantly i've even planted some seeds um in certain places there but it's huge and i go there and i just forget about myself self 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 you know sometimes it can be like very me myself and i and like I mean, I will admit sometimes, uh, you know, I will be a little bit startled at like, oh, I squished God completely out. I didn't give him any space. And, uh, you know, with that, I'm almost harnessing burdens with me. And like, if I go into nature, that almost automatically falls off as if that is a part of my nature that that's not supposed to tug on me and, and be a part of me. And And then, you know, it's like, you're breathing in oxygen and you you're in this created space and um god is everywhere and you can feel the love and you can have love for it because if you're looking at something and you find it beautiful is that not you know a part of you kind of totally being in love um and uh you know you can get like something from it um and uh yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess it's it's just a meeting place for for me and God, but not just me, lots of other people, especially people that don't know him, you know, they feel something. And I, it's really important to get out there and to go. And even if it's, if you get a little plant, you know, and you interact with it and you care for it, there's something about that that is just out of this world but in this world and of this world and it's love and it shows you and it's um it's amazing anyway i'm getting carried away i'm so sorry 
Um, but uh, well, it's very fun to listen to you get carried away. I have to say that. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote down, yeah, so much more. But um, well, that's well. Let's let's just keep going. You have another quote that you like? Okay. Um, oh, okay. Uh, there's generally no good reason why others should care about most of any one artist's work. The function of the overwhelming majority of your artwork is simply to teach you how to make the small fraction of your artwork that soars. And that, when it says soars, that reminds me of um, Isaiah 40 verse 31. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. And they will walk and not be faint. And um, I feel like that's just very strong together. And I know it's just um, on, you know, like to make the small fraction of your artwork that soars. And I immediately thought soars um, and of that scripture and uh, like the eagle's wings and yeah it's just there's something about that like I only made that connection like just now um and I quickly wrote it down um but I found that to be um deep and uh if it's a small fraction of your artwork that sort of takes flight or soars and uh, becomes let's say magnificent um, even to you and like almost by itself and uh, like and, and you keep on in that process and uh, you keep noticing the different art that is out there already existing and I'm not just talking about it being on a canvas art is in nature art is in everything um, art is like art in terms of like I think the way that you look at things and the way that you are sort of allowing yourself to experience it. And um, I think also, yeah, there's, I suppose there's, a, there's obviously a frame or something, a lens that you look through in order to see things that way. Um, because I know everyone sees differently, but, and I don't always see like that all the time, but you know, like sometimes you can, look up at the clouds and, and see, you know, an angel like, um, or, a, or a butterfly that's sideways or upside down or something like that. And then you can watch the clouds slowly move and morph into something else and it changes shape. Um, I don't know. It's like patterns. It's like the world out there is, is happening. It's moving. I think movement is key, like for things to be created as well. And well, one of the one of the things that struck me about about that quote too is um, there is only a small fraction that soars <laughs> because most I I think that my experience is like most other artists every time you paint a painting you kind of hope that it will soar and that's your goal you have the picture in mind oh this is going to be the, the initial picture is so beautiful. If you can just accomplish that, you know, it's going to be so great. And then you're done and you look at it and like, uh, no, I, I didn't get there. I just didn't get there. And so, 
but that's also part of what drives you to the next painting because yeah. if you if you could get perfection in a painting then why why bother to try again in fact the ones that really turn out to soar end up kind of being a hindrance because then you think oh but what if i can't do that again and then it kind of makes you fearful to even try but um one of the things that our teacher pushed on us a lot is that this small fraction only turns up because of brush mileage. So you just have to keep more and more and more brush mileage. And the more brush mileage you get, the more there will be this small fraction that soars. But you can't ever let whether it soars or not soars affect whether or not you keep producing more brush mileage. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's amazing that like you're saying brush brush uh, mileage, and that that also indicates sort of like a long you know like that's a a, a range of movement in a way you know if you put it all together like mileage and and like if you think of brush strokes and let's say you it painted a whole path through time and you could probably do an experiment um out there if you found the huge piece of tar you can you know test how many brushstrokes you've done and see how far it um it paints um but you know as a bird soars you know that also it um it takes space it moves it travels a certain distance and um it develops through that and there's a there's a motion and then there's it sounds like there's also a momentum that you get to build and then when you do finally achieve that um, flight moment, uh, like something about what you said also make me made me um, think of it. Like if you can lose yourself into a piece, um, in a way of like embracing um, a sense of freedom, um, but then you know with a touch of joy. Um, and yet also being able to ground yourself at the same time and be uh, maybe a bit more stoic or something and and have it's like a dance with uh, with the canvas and with your tools and you're doing a duet and if you collaborate with the piece that you're creating and that is sort of shaping or you know with you and um, you sort of you end up with something in between you and you come away with an experience or a perspective or a certain feeling and you can also um, and the the painting or whatever it's created comes away with it being fully created um or at least it being the seed of the next creation um so there's yeah there's just something in it and it's just a great it's a great way of um, connecting. And I think, yeah, with art, there's something in it for everybody. Um, and uh, your yeah, art interpretation as well. I'd love to do that more often. Like um, sometimes, you know, if I'm walking with a friend, I'll be like, oh, look at that. What do you think of that? Um, do you see that sometimes I'll see faces or other shapes um, in you know in a stump of wood or random things um 
or I'll just literally point out like something pretty and stop and look like almost stop and smell the roses you've got to take those opportunities in your life while you have them stop passing them by so it's like that's that's some sage advice there and uh well I also know, like what you were saying moments. about um the dance because what what that really points out is that the artist has a relationship with the yeah. art and I, I don't remember where it's it is. Synergy. I think it's in Ephesians where it says that you are God's workmanship. And that workmanship is the word poema, which is sort of like you are God's poem. So oh, you, wow. are, you are God's artwork, right? Yeah. And so he has a relationship with you because he is he is working into your life all this beauty through through this relationship. But then you also have a relationship with other people in the same way that the artwork you produce an artwork and then that artwork goes out into the world and has a relationship with the people who are viewing that artwork mm. and i think it's so important for every person to experience this um creative impulse so if, even for people who can't paint or don't want to paint maybe they want to build something or maybe they want to cook in a, you know in a creative way or maybe they want to um anything that you do where you're producing something through the skills that you develop in order to create something new that you can put out into the world that communicates something of you that you can't communicate with words you know um you that no, I can't hear that. No, all I can. You can't hear the high no. pitch beeping. No. Okay. Good. <laughs> no. Good. So anything that you do that's creating something new that goes out into the world that communicates something of you is allowing yeah. other people to communicate with that part of you and is building this whole relationship amongst all the people in the same way that God is yeah. having a relationship with you and then you're having a relationship with other people. And, and I think that's, we've lost so much in this idea that somehow we, we make, we call like uh, famous musicians, we call them artists. So you're only an artist if you rise to the top and get famous, or you only become an artist if your paintings are selling from the gallery or whatever. But really every person is intended to be an artist in some field because- yeah. Otherwise, everything that God has built into each one of us doesn't get communicated to everybody else. And, and art is absolutely stunning. Yeah. Um, there's a quote that, like, I, I don't know, a lot of people see it. I've seen it multiple times just come up. Every child is an artist. And, um, you know, then I think of um, what does John Verbeek always say uh, as the... Uh, child is to the sage the sage must be to the child or something like that um i can't remember um but uh yeah i think that um yeah like in each adult you can still evoke the child in you that um that is born to be that that artist and each child is an artist um and like 
sorry, I'm a little bit distracted with the, the beeping. I can hear it. <laughs> you can't. No. So I'm just going to try and just distant go distant. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, it's yeah, not a it's, warning, is it? Is it some kind of warning that you're supposed no, to be building? <laughs> yeah, I need, to, um, I need to load up more electricity. So it's telling oh. me it's low right now um so yeah it's being persistent um huh? <laughs> anyway but um yeah like uh even you know a lot of people you've probably heard a lot of people saying um no but i can't draw um or i've i've certainly heard that or like they say off the bat like they can't do something but for example they say i can't draw now when i was in school i had a design teacher that um, just totally obliterated that statement. Um, he was he had such an amazing heart and personality. He was an artist. Wow, um, wow. He was like colorful. He had depth. He had, like he was changing all the time. It was like amazing. He was wise as well. Some art is wise, don't you think? Mm -hmm. Um. Anyway, so like bless his soul, he passed away, but um, just a legendary teacher. And uh, he said, anyone who can think can draw. So, and the way that he said it, it we, we were all like, and then we, you know, were embracing sort of um, certain drawing exercises. Like, you know, you can, you draw, you look at the person opposite you and you try and take them in and uh, you look at them and you draw with the pencil and you don't you try not to look at your page mm -hmm. and then you can do that and you close your eyes and you draw um that same person with your eyes closed and you're not looking at them or the page just just from what you got and um you know some interesting things would come out of that and then we'd um crumple up a piece of paper and, and put it in front of us and and he would say, you know, draw draw the lines on it. And then from there we you know he sort of taught us, okay, now look at the pieces. Is that piece darker there? And he taught us about shading. And this was just in one lesson. But if I take it even more simple, you've got a piece of paper and a pencil and you draw a dot. You just let gravity help you and make a dot and then move and make another dot and you drag the pen along. I mean, this doesn't take much thought. It can just take guidance, but you drag the like pencil, connecting the dots together. Like there, there you've, you've drawn, you've begun something. And like, um, I, I had this one experience of that by teaching a child this, it, um, he was hesitant to to do this project because they saw sort of the end piece or the goal of what they were supposed to um, try and make. It was these African masks, and um, like I could I could see he was like a tortured, you know, artist or you know he 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 was not knowing what to do. Um, yet he was so like keen to do this project. He was excited, and you know he was in profound, deep thought. And he was so young. <laughs> um, and I, I went up to him and I, I tried to gauge what the problem was, and he couldn't articulate it. But I saw that 
he kept hesitating with the, with the pencil on the page. And, um, yeah, and, you know, I guided him through it. And then it's, uh, it was like, you know, the minute I got him to touch the pencil to the page and I guided him to ask him to move it, just drag it along, just move it. And slowly but surely, like, he was able to move it, and I and I just directed him, okay, and and just basically confirmed what he was busy doing as he was busy doing it, and helping him to realize, oh, he's drawing, oh, he's doing it, he's begun, and I would show him, see the line that you're doing, um, and you're correct, and if you keep on going this way, what's gonna happen, and um, I don't know. Like I can't remember everything that I did and everything that he did, but I think that that um, that personal touch and that personal touch and that initial connection and the the willingness to just sort of take a moment and be gentle and you know because beginning things is is difficult and sometimes we've we've got like this. You know, we've got amazing imaginations that sometimes it's a bit scary. It's like you can scare yourself. Um, or you think of the expectations that may be on you or and that may be linked to something um, that's triggering a memory like embedded in your in your past or at home and that's making you freeze um, in the moment. Um, but the... It's amazing, like when he began to flow, he ended up drawing two different masks and he completed them both um, when they only needed to draw one. And he was the, you know, he was the one that like was just getting up. He just, you know, he couldn't stop. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just that action of doing. It's really about doing. Like the, the more you anticipate um, and the more you, you can, you can stand like right close to something and not do anything and just keep on thinking and, um, you know, growing the fear or growing whatever is making you fear bigger and bigger in your mind. And um, you've got to, you've got to do in any case, you've got to end up doing to break that fear. Um, and it's amazing, like what you can realize through that, you kind of realize a vision of the truth. Um, the truth being that that fear was way out of proportion. <laughs> And you could, there's something that, yeah, you get empowered. You can, you've conquered something. At least you've conquered, you know, um, being able to like smash an illusion um, out the park um, or a delusion. Um, mm -hmm. At least that portion of fear that was just way too inflated. Um, and uh, sometimes, thought, sometimes it's not even. Um... <clears throat> That that fear is a very real thing for a lot of people, but sometimes it's just a simple thing of, I can't. Oh, I can't do that because they tried it once and they they weren't very good at it, and so therefore I can't do it. And so for a little while, I was teaching elementary art uh, when my daughter was in elementary school, and so I was teaching her class, and the kids would say, "Oh, I can't draw," and then I would say, "Well, maybe you can't draw now." but you will be able to draw. Oh, no, no, I'll never be able to draw. I can't draw. You know, I tried it once. I'm no good at it. And I said, well, you write your name, don't you? Yes. How long have you been writing your name? 
Oh, you know, like by this day, they're third grade. So they've been writing their name for three years. Okay. The first time you wrote your name, what did it look like? Oh, it was terrible. <laughs> but you write your name every day, don't you? Yes. Yes. So, you know, so over time, when you do things more and more over time, you eventually get better and better and better. But the first time is never going to be great. But we, we live in a culture where there's this expectation that the first time you do something, if you're not great, then, you know, it's going to be embarrassing to show your work to other people. Yeah. Uh, that's, yeah, even this, like, I, I feel often like a lot of pressure. And I think that there's good pressure um, in life. And then there's like pressure that may be coming from your, your own self. And that's complicated. Um, but God can help you sort that out. So can a good therapist in combination. But then there's actual pressure that people put on you. And, uh, you know, if you're doing a lot of things in life, sometimes, um, you know, you're just trying to be kind to everybody and uh, you're, you're trying to handle everything else and, and you don't want to complain and you don't want to say like this and you're trying to put down like nice boundaries and you're trying not to let that part of you that wants to bite like come out um and uh to some people you smile the love of the lord for as long as you can and then you gracefully just go and uh, and uh and yeah like i just sure that like the, i don't know if you felt like it's always like it's in the air or um there's like extra pressure but it i feel like a part of that is from other people also experiencing an extra pressure, which could be like a part of the change that's busy going on, like the acceleration of um, many things. It's like, a, you know, I would hope and pray that kingdom, the kingdom is coming. Um, but there's definitely something happening with the universe, with, with us all, you know, it's large. There's, you know, and, um, you know, nobody can quite, like, you know, regard what it is, and that's that's great. Um, I think that's a great thing, because, um, uh, you know, at least uh, if, if there's an unknown or whatever I don't know or to the end of my knowledge into, like, I don't know, anything is God. And, um, you know, so, like... I think that generally things are going to turn out for the better. Um, and uh, that, and I also like with that, I think that I'm hoping that the pressure that I feel is, is helping me to build endurance, to be able to endure and then like enjoy, <laughs> um, like in, in whatever season is to come. But uh, yeah, then I feel like it would be, you know, worth it. Not that you can say no to pressure and things like that, especially when it feels like it's coming from above. I don't know if you've ever felt that. Like, um, yes, yes, yes. Um, not that it's dragging you down. It's more like, no, now you need to step it up type of pressure. Yes, because, because now is this moment to 
to do something. <clears throat> I've, I've just been reading Paralandra, which is the second book of the Space Trilogy by C.S. Lewis. I had read the third volume many times, but I had not read the first two. And so I had agreed to do a conversation about the trilogy with somebody. And, <clears throat> and I just finished Paralandra, which is the second one. And there's this perfect illustration of that in chapter 11 of Paralandra, where the main character is feeling this pressure from God to do something. And when it, when that pressure comes on, the the mind jumps to all sorts of things. We, you know, first, first thing we come to is all oh, this can't be real because why would God be talking to me? You know, I'm not important. Yeah. And part of the reason that we think that is because we don't want to listen to it. Right. And so then maybe the next thought that comes along, well, he can't really mean that because that would just be too hard. Sure. So he can't possibly mean that because after all, I'm just weak. And I can't possibly do that. <clears throat> and, and the mind goes through all these excuses for why we can't listen, you know, or, or if I did that, I would be way too important. So God can't really mean for me to do that because he doesn't want me to, you know, step outside my lane. And you, you can come up with all kinds of things when that pressure comes on. But ultimately, I think it's Jordan Peterson says either everything matters or nothing matters. And if everything yeah. matters, then, yeah. then, then every choice we make has cosmic consequences. And that's, that's the kind of pressure that if you let yourself take that pressure on humanly speaking can turn you into a dictator, a monster, right? Yeah. Everything I do has cosmic consequences. Or if you if you recognize the truth of that, meaning that God has a purpose and a place for me, and every decision that I make is part of that purpose and place. And I have to submit every one of those decisions to him and receive his power to accomplish that thing so that I don't turn into a monster, right? and then like living by this made by the spirit and not by the flesh yeah I, I feel like the flesh it's it's like that's where you know temptation is that's where you can like turn into that monster but if you are like being guided by god and if you're living according to the spirit then you know that's the way to go anyway i'm sorry for interrupting you no, no, um, that, that that's the, yeah, that's exactly the whole point that, that, that pressure, there's a purpose to that pressure. I tend to think that even if the pressure is coming, not from God, but from outside circumstances, there's a purpose in that pressure because we can learn something from all of those things. The seed of your next work lies in the imperfections of your current work, Right. So the imperfection wow. of your, your current work, the seed of the seed of the next thing that you're going to do. If I mean, if you think about that one quote, it's just pretty much everything. I'm if if I were a weightlifter and I'm weightlifting and I can't quite get up to bench press, I don't know what 
I don't know what would be good for a bench press, but let's say 180 pounds or something. Maybe that's small. I don't know. But let's say if, if, if I just failed, if I just failed at my 180 pound limit and I walk away and I give up and I say, okay, I'm never going to make 180 pounds. That's the imperfection of my current work. But the seed of my next work is in there because in order to achieve that, there's a lot of things I would need to learn. I need to maybe strengthen my arms. I need to strengthen my heart. I need to build endurance. I need to strengthen my courage. I need to get my mind in the right place. So there's this whole raft of skills that I have to develop to break through that next level. And that's the seed of my next work lying in the imperfections of my current work. And that's true for everything. So every yeah. pressure that comes on us is to teach us what we need to learn in order to get to the next step. And if we don't get those pressures, we never learn any of these things. Like seeds of knowledge. That like when when you receive it, then you plant it and then it starts to reveal to you um, what is next to do. And uh, yeah, and then also like when you use the weightlifter example, because um, I'm not one. I, I almost thought a different way. <laughs> I, I, I thought of something else. I thought, okay, well, he's walking away. Oh, he didn't lift 180 pounds. <laughs> um, but uh, what another seed possibly that he could take is that, okay, I didn't achieve that, but, um, you know, sit like, Okay, uh, the seed that can be taken away is that perhaps I should um, be more realistic about my goals. So perhaps 150 or something like that. It's kind of a weird way of thinking, but that's what um, occurred to my my brain. And I thought, like, it's not to, yeah, it's to just, yeah, set the weight to something that you can handle that's... Um, yeah, and then you work from there. Uh, but yeah, inside that now, I feel like that's that's got a, something deep in it for me. So I'll wait, I'll wait for that to come later. But uh, <laughs> well, let me put it in. Yeah, let, let me like, put it in terms of artwork. Um, one of my first realizations of this came when I <clears throat> I painted a picture of what I thought expressed the beauty of how God works in our lives. And the picture in my mind was just beautiful. I had a photograph of hands on the piano. And the picture that I had in my mind when I'm looking at those hands on the piano is kind of like, they look like mountains, you know, oh. so you kind of imagine they look like mountains. And, and then my daughter's piano teacher had said to her, it's the placement of your finger on the key and the amount of pressure that you exert that changes the tone and brings the beauty. Giving me goosebumps. So, so I wanted to represent that in this painting with the finger on the key and the hand. So I turned the hands into mountains and I had the keyboard and the keyboard was like uh, the place where the water falls over and then comes splashing back up. And then I had a sunset behind. That's the picture in my mind. And I thought, oh, this is going to be so beautiful. Well, because I didn't have the skill to produce the picture that was in my mind. 
I came up with a painting, but it wasn't the one that I had wanted to have. And I had to show it to the class. And as I stood up in front of the class, we're not, we're not allowed in that class to complain or to say, I didn't achieve what I wanted to achieve. We weren't allowed to say any of those things. We just have to present the work. And so I'm standing up there and the tears are streaming down my face because I'm so ashamed of what, what I, that I couldn't, I couldn't produce something that in my mind was beautiful, but I'm looking out at the group and they're all crying. Oh my, wow. And that is incredible. So I realized at that moment, I couldn't, I couldn't achieve the skill level that I wanted to achieve, but it does communicate. Okay. Yeah. At least it communicates. So what I learned from that is that in order to achieve that painting that's in my mind, I have a lot of skills I need to develop. I need to develop better how to make water look realistic. And I need to learn better how to make the, the paint flow to create a beautiful sunset. And I needed to develop a lot of skills. So that drove me to start learning more and taking more classes and developing more skills. But by the time I got those new skills, I had a new picture in my mind that was a bigger picture that was harder to produce. And that's so so one of the things that I, I don't know if it's from art and fear or if it's just the way that I kind of coalesced it all in my mind. But the thing that I always say is that your your vision always outruns your skill. It always will outrun your skill. And there's a reason like that. for that. There's a reason for that because the fact that it outruns your skill means that you need to continually be building skills. And that's why we grow without it. We wouldn't grow. Can I ask you a question? Mm -hmm. So with, with the piece with the, with the mountains and the, yeah, it's just, um, but do you ever like practice just like with in a sketchbook? continuously over and over like certain forms like sketching hand this way certain sketching it this way just almost like a scribble sketch but you're just sort of like trying to uh, piece together an idea um and uh, well, for this the, for know. this class that's exactly what we had to do is keep a journal every idea that you have okay. you, you put it in the journal and you work on it and yeah but I absolutely. mean repetitively repetitively like yes. the hands different ways yes over and over and over again until yeah it's like and then like so for that series like, I, I used those that. hands on the keys for 20 paintings ultimately but they all said something different that's amazing it's a bit yeah. like an an artist like an art melody con communicating a melody within that or music being created and because if you let's say you displayed all of them and the keys were and the hands were continuously moving then it's like you painting god literally making music uh, like wow that's incredible oh yeah like, some of, some wow. of those paintings were so much fun i mean in one of them the hands almost became like because i used to watch my daughter play the piano and and when she was little, it, 
she was so good and so fast and it was like little birds dancing across the keys and so I painted the hands so that you could see the bird's wings flying in the hands as they're moving across the keys and another time I, I I had this kind of image of how the the worship is rising up out of the keys into this cathedral and so then the painting had this music rising up into the cathedral from the keys while while playing with the hands and then another time I altered the viewpoint so you're looking at at the hands from the viewpoint of the piano and so you're seeing hands from this side right and um and that was a much more fun one like that like there's this dance going on like the piano can see the hands creating this dance yeah Yeah. so i mean it was a lot of fun to do that did you do a view from above as well yes yes that one um that was the first one i did was the view from above and i didn't feel that that was as successful because i had a, a lot to learn plus you don't I mean, part of, for me, one of the things I learned in this creativity class is that um, the the profile of your shapes, if the profile of your shapes is interesting, it captures the viewer much more than if everything is just smooth. So when you're looking down from above, you see the round head, <laughs> you see the okay, long okay, arms, okay. right? And you see yeah. the tops of the keys. But if you're looking at it from from the side, there's a lot more interest in this. Yeah, show. yeah. But I suppose the way that you articulated it, and the reason why I asked that is because I suppose in my mind, I've got a certain image like that could be a view from above. Um, but I can't, yeah, I can't possibly articulate it. That's why I asked. Um, but uh, yeah, it could even be like as if you are seated at the piano yourself and the view from above is from your view onto your hands, mm-hmm. playing the piece. Yes, um, I had one piece like that and yeah. that was, um, that one I painted when I was yeah. in a place of some personal pain over something that had happened in my life recently. And so it was, very very emotional painting and surprisingly enough somebody bought that one I was really surprised anybody would buy that painting because there was so much (laughs) there was a lot of power in that piece I don't know if I even still have a photograph of it um yeah I didn't do a very good job of keeping track of all the paintings that I sold so I have a lot of stuff out there I think that that's normal I mean, if we if we were, I I I know for a fact that I have not been able to keep track of every little thing, you know, that I wanted to document or that I didn't even want to document. Or yeah, it's uh, there's so much in life, like um, so much accumulation. Yeah, you're only you're 28, is that right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I feel like it's 280 sometimes. <laughs> Well, you did say you did say you're an old soul, so. Um, but uh, yeah, just because I feel, um, I feel, just 
like aged. I feel very aged. Like, um, I I don't know. It's just it feels like everything is taking very long. Um, but yet, you know, patience is key. Always practice patience. Like that is like solid advice anybody can give to anybody. You can never not practice enough patience. But lately, I've been. You know, that's fine. But I've been noticing, oh, stubbornness. I need to, you know, like take that as a piece of clay and work it into something better because that's kind of getting in the way of certain things. Um, because, you know, I think that there's patience and then there's stubbornness. And uh, I think I somehow can be stubborn when I think I'm being patient uh and I yeah, I think that there's more of a depth to that but uh that's a really yeah. interesting I, crossover I hadn't I hadn't ever put those two together because I was I mean my first thought I'm always I'm always trying to be a Barnabas always trying to be an encourager so my first thought was to pop in and say oh but what's the other side of stubbornness you know every every coin has the other side so the other side of stubbornness would be the the flip side the good side would be persevering right oh, yeah. right so but it didn't occur to me so how do you put patience and stubbornness together well um like if um so trying to think how can i um so they would be like let's say it's two coins and like they are like next to one another so it's not like if there's any flip sides you know although if although if i think of it now if you were to put two coins um and uh like resiliency or uh, is underneath uh, uh stubbornness then i wonder what is underneath patience because mm -hmm. But anyway, but patience and, and stubbornness sort of, um, you say crossover, maybe there's a clash because like maybe it needs to integrate. But I feel like the stubbornness, if I have to think of it just like that, is like a knot. Like that me must be, like that's why I think of clay. Um, and the other day uh, I got to, I got given a piece of clay and like, I was like, yeah, make a make a pinch pot so I, I did that and it was very therapeutic and um, uh, it was with an art lesson with um, a different class of kids and I was just like getting lost in it. it was so nice to make and shape something with my hands um, I mean I need to constantly do something with my hands like um, but that was so therapeutic and the fact that I could mold it and shape it and be gentle with it, um, you know, where I think because of some flight of some kind, I think um, that contrast could easily be a smashing or or like something breaking on the floor, like, you know, and... Uh, that might not make sense at all. <laughs> and I know I've gone very far from the flip sides of the coin, but um, I think there's a lot of emotion that comes with this, like patience and stubbornness. It's like, um, you know, be patient, 
but don't be so patient that you're just stubborn and then you're stuck um or you, or there's less, less flexibility if you're like too stubborn um or you're um it's more difficult to move when when you're stuck in your stubbornness <laughs> and like um and to deal with it does take patience um because yeah and then i want to somehow identify a third emotion or third um in that sort of trio um because uh yeah and that that's something that i'm struggling with because it's well, like so let, somebody you, else you, pointed it out to me and uh -huh. i was like what <laughs> <laughs> well let's take your stubbornness you said it was like a knot hmm. right yeah. do you knit do you crochet? I don't knit, but I sew. I'm busy sewing um, little felt hearts. Uh, I could. Um, oh, I sew them adorable. by hand and then uh -huh. I stuff them. Um, I've got about, I think, I'm hope, I hope I've got almost 200 now. I need to make 250 of them. Um, for 250 cancer patients, um, they, he's going to get a pocket hug. Um, and like, you'll literally you put it in your pocket. And I've tested this out on myself. And you'll randomly find it. And then you, you know, you find this heart and like, it just provides a feeling of comfort. And you can like, just hold it and squish it and um, know that you're loved or know that like somebody thought of you or that you cared for and it's a heart so however young the patient is it's like this squishy heart thing um that they can hold on to and that's, um that's so yeah, when i tried it out it was incredible because i i found it at the time i needed it the most and i was so grateful and i was like it works so that <laughs> made me pursue sewing like <laughs> these hearts until i get to 250. That, um, that, that's amazing uh, Wow. Yeah, I would love to know how to, uh, or I'd love to learn at some point how to crochet and knit because I admire a lot of those creations. Well, my um, daughter, my youngest daughter, who's 28, exactly your age, oh, really? she, she's okay. been crocheting and knitting for many years and she's very, very gifted, very knowledgeable. But when she first started knitting, the, the way that skeins of yarns are made in the old days, I think they were better, but modern skeins of yarn, when you go to pull the thread out from the middle to start knitting with, a lot of times it'll be, when you start pulling it out from the center of the skein, out will come this great big knot of just all kinds of yarn, like this all knotted up and and you can't get the thing undone. And she would just like, and she'd hand it to me. So, so my job is to get the knots out and that is a tremendous so here's this knot of stubbornness right but the it it really trains you in patience to try to undo a knot because these tangles if you pull on them because you get impatient it just makes the tangle tighter right and so you have to yeah. very gently work with a tangle to get it undone and you have to really That's focus and look 
and understand what's causing the tangle, right? Yeah. The gentleness. That's yeah. what it is. That is what it is. Your thank you. That is what it is. Definitely. That's what's needed in that whole thing. Um, and I would I could say, yeah, I think I definitely need work on that. I'm willing to work on that. Um practicing gentleness. Well, you're a gentle spirit, Dolly. Um, it's been absolutely lovely talking to you. And I apologize that we lost the whole first half where you told your story, but maybe you'd come back on sometime and tell your story. Yeah, and uh, in the meantime, we have this, this lovely uh, episode where we've talked about all these different quotes from artists and from the book, Art and Fear. And could you send me a link for your YouTube channel, especially the episodes that you did where you were reading Art and Fear? Yes, you yeah. just tell me a while ago that I should do that. I I will I will try and like get all of them together and I'll send it to you on an email. It's pretty easy. I don't know if you know how to make a playlist on YouTube, but it's pretty easy. Oh, oh yeah, I can make a playlist. Yeah, yeah. When you go to your link. you go to your channel and then it'll say playlist over on the side and you click yeah. on that and it'll say new playlist and then you just tuck all of them, all the art and fear ones into one playlist and send me the link and okay. I'll put it with the chat with the episode. Okay, so cool. great. That sounds like a good idea. Thank you for joining Thank us so on South Africa. <laughs> I have uh, learned a lot from to you today. Here. And and the, the spirit of the Lord shines through you. It's really beautiful. Yo, thank you. That just really, um, that's an amazing thing to say. Um, thank you. Yo, God bless you. Sure. And your God family. You. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Have a wonderful Yo. day, Dolly. Well, night, I guess it's well, night time <laughs> for you, right? <laughs> yeah. You have a wonderful day. Okay. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Keep well.